everyone. Welcome to Moxie Moves Caregiver 911. Today we have with us the lovely Miss Jackie Schroeder. She is a licensed clinical social worker, and today our topic is going to be elder abuse. Hey, Miss Jackie, how are you doing today? Hi, Misha. I'm good. How are you? You're looking great. Happy to be here and talk to you. I always uh, love to talk to you, Misha. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you accept my invitation to be on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. This is the first time I'm doing this kind of thing. So it's great. Yay! I feel <laughs> I feel honored to have this as your first podcast with Moxie. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to jump right into the questions. So okay. my first question for you is, what is elder abuse? And feel free to give some examples. So, you know, I like to tell people first and foremost that some of the things that I say when I speak to um, older adults and professionals and faith leaders, that things that I say could be upsetting. They could uh, bring up memories for people or they could be tapping into things that are happening to them right now. So just want to let everybody know that if you feel upset to please take care of yourselves, um, you can also give us a call at Ghana. Um, so I am, and, and also I want to tell you where I'm from uh, before I answer your question, because it's a very deep question, Misha. Mm -hmm. Um, HANA is uh, the Abuse and Trauma Response Agency of the Associated Jewish Community Federation in Baltimore, and we serve people of all faiths, all religions, uh, all genders and ages, and I, my role there is as a consultant, elder abuse consultant, and my title is Director of Elder Abuse Awareness. Um, I, in addition to having a, a license in clinical social work, which has been for over 30 years, wow. um, I also am certified in gerontology and I'm a trained volunteer long-term care ombudsman. And ombudsman is an advocate for residents in, long, in nursing homes or assisted living facilities. I also am the project coordinator of a huge systems grant uh, change grant from the Department of Justice Office on Violence Against Women uh, to uh, end abuse in later life. And we focus that grant in Baltimore City because there are so many older adults living in Baltimore City. And I just am really, really dedicated, Misha, to the advocacy, empowerment, and support of older adults and for their being respected and protected. So whenever I talk with folks, I'm talking about healthy relationships and coordinated and collaborative elder abuse response and uh, about how to shelter older adults. We have a sheltering uh, program at HANA and uh, everything about elder justice. So that's kind of the context that I'm coming from. So when you ask me, what is elder abuse? Um, I want to tell you first what it's not, and right. not because I want to be smart, elegy, or anything like that, but I don't want people to be confused. So what elder abuse is not, it's not an anger control problem. 
It's not mental illness. It's not a substance use problem. It's not someone being immature. It's not something somebody can inherit. It's not having bad manners. It's not even a response to a difficult situation like caregiver stress. You know, we uh, attribute a lot of caregiver stress uh, to abuse, but it's actually not true. It's actually a myth. Caregiver stress as a cause of elder abuse was uh, stated by some researchers in the early 90s, 1990s, who couldn't come up with a reason. And so they thought, well, it must be caregiver stress, but there's never been any proof of that. Um, and mostly because why we know that that's a myth is because elder abuse is intentional. Mm -hmm. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's intentional. And so the, the formal definition of elder abuse in Maryland is that it's the sustaining of any physical injury by a vulnerable adult as a result of cruel or inhumane treatment or as a result of a malicious act by any person. Now, to me, um, when I hear that definition, first of all, it's very limited because vulnerable has a legal definition. And it means a person who's not able to make their own decisions, doesn't have the capacity to take care of themselves uh, on a daily basis. And there are plenty of people, older adults who are being abused, who are perfectly capable, able, and do make their own decisions and meet their own daily needs. The other thing is, when I hear the sustaining of the physical injury, it's limiting to physical abuse. And physical abuse is only one form of elder abuse, and it's not even the most prevalent form. Only about 15% of people who report abuse, elder abuse, are being harmed physically. But there's verbal, emotional, you know, in Maryland now, it's a crime to uh, be an emotional abuser. There's uh, sexual- I don't even know that now. I didn't know yeah. that. Good thing to know. Yeah. I mean, that, that just happened. Um, with the pandemic, sometimes I get confused about the legislative session. It was either last year or the year before. Okay. I think it was the year before. Um, there's uh, sexual abuse, which is the least reported for a lot of reasons that you can imagine. Um, financial is the most growing and it's the crime of this century is financial exploitation of everyone. Um, but the most reported type of elder abuse is neglect. But Misha, you know, you could imagine that with how technology is growing, uh, we're starting to see a lot of digital abuse and stalking and even um, trafficking of older adults for labor, for sex, for their benefits, you know, their social security benefits, their pension, uh, food stamps, things like that. So listen to this definition that is the definition of the World Health Organization. They say elder abuse is a single or repeated act 
or lack of appropriate action by a caregiver or other person in a relationship where there's an expectation of trust that causes or creates a risk of harm or distress to an older person. So you notice there are a lot of differences in that definition. The hallmark of elder abuse is expectation of trust. Right. Right? Like people are being abused by people who they expect they should be able to trust. And also, one thing I don't like about this definition is the use of the word caregiver, because that's a confusing term. Some people are caregivers because they get paid and they start out as strangers. Mm -hmm. Some people are family members who provide care for their loved ones, right? So that can be, that can be confusing. You know, 66% of elder abuse is perpetrated by family members. And that's so true is um, the ones that's closer to you and like, you know, with the caregiver, the term, they, they make it a term very broad and, and repeat it. And like, it doesn't have to repeat it. It can be one time from someone else and one time from another. So yeah, right. it might not be a good word to use. <laughs> and I'm glad that you're mentioning that because it can also be multiple people at mm-hmm. the same time. Like, you know, a bunch of grandchildren or, you know, all of the children, uh, there could be abuse intentional um, in that kind of way, too. That's called poly victimization. Mm-hmm. Um, about half of the people who abuse their family members, elder adults, are adult children and grandchildren. Only about 20% are spouses. But listen to this statistic. One, and this, there's not a lot of research on elder abuse, but this is a proven uh, repetitive uh, research finding that one in 10 people over the age of 60, and this is just what's reported, are being abused. Wow. In 2015 in Maryland, um, the governor said that every five seconds, an older adult was being abused in Maryland. That's alarming. So that was seven years ago. I don't know what that statistic is now. Um, And also, uh, you know, the lethality of elder abuse is really high. So 42% of people who are killed over the age of 60, 42% are murdered by family members. And about a quarter of people killed over the age of 60, about 24%. Are murdered by their spouses. Mm. Um, Misha, it's guesstimated that for every 24 cases of elder abuse, only one gets reported. So that means 23 are not being reported. So one time I did this calculation in uh, the Park Heights corridor from Northern Parkway to Slade Avenue. Okay. How, how many older people live in that? A lot. Right? Over 5,000. Wow. From and North- I thought, if anybody's living in that neighborhood, on any given day, over 500 people are being abused. And that's what's being reported. 
Isn't that amazing? Yes, and not only right within that community, and I'm in within that corridor that you said. So it made me, I like, I can guess, like seeing from Northern Parkway, and I know exactly where Slade Avenue starts. So, wow, I didn't know that that's where you live. Yes. Yup. And so just imagine, like, all those people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Um, you know, you you said, you know, I could give some examples. Mm -hmm. Feel free. Okay, so these cases that I might tell you uh, that I'll I'll share with you, they're hard to they're hard to hear. You sure you want to hear? No, I'm sure people need to hear this. Like, you know, everything is not always peaches and cream. And like some people's eyes need to be open and show them like what's going on behind closed doors and how can you be an ally for these individuals? So these are real cases, okay? Um, a 58 year old woman whose daughter called her fat and stupid, took her paycheck, put her on an allowance and monitored her phone calls. Wow. Um, there's a case of a 67-year-old husband who broke his spouse's wrist and threatened to kill her if she left. Oh my that is so sad. Um, there was a 73-year-old man whose wife had cancer and she died a year before reaching out for help. Because, and he reached out for help because his adult son had moved in and was stealing his social security check and his pension. Wow. And he didn't even know he was dying from cancer. And this is a really hard one. A 77-year-old woman whose son was forcing her to watch pornography with him. How evil is that? Now, this one is a very, very common one. An 80-year-old man who had a heart condition and needed assistance with those activities of daily living, like we were just talking about, and his grandson was supposed to take care of him, and he wasn't giving him his medicine properly. He wasn't assisting him with bathing and feeding, and the grandson fired all the home health aides. Uh, and other friends and family members who tried to help his grandfather. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he was his power of attorney, so he had control. He wasn't his power of attorney. Oh. Nope. And I'm glad you said that, though, because a power of attorney is not a license to steal. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone listening... Um, has given power of attorney to anyone else or is the power of attorney for someone else, really read what that power of attorney says. You might, there are a lot of different types of powers of attorney mm -hmm. and there's power of attorney over a person. There's power of attorney over a person's finances. There's limited powers of attorney. Like if somebody's in the hospital uh, goes into the hospital for a surgery and they might be incapacitated for a little bit. 
Um, they would want to have a limited power of attorney or, or even like I have a limited power of attorney um, because I don't want anyone to have access to my uh, legal business unless I am long-term not able to meet my own needs. Mm-hmm. So, and also Misha, you know, somebody your age even should have a power of attorney just because you know, you never know. And if somebody can afford it, they can uh, hire an attorney or you can call a, a legal hotline um, and find out if somebody would help you draw a power of attorney like at Maryland Legal Aid, for example. Yeah. That's a great suggestion. You know, I, you know, I was supposed to be working on my living will because God forbid anything can happen, but I never thought of a part of a power of attorney. That's a great suggestion because a lot of people my age, we just think, you know, oh, we're going to be young forever. Nothing can happen to me while I'm young. Yes, things can happen. They've never seen Final Destination before, but things can definitely happen. So thank you so much for sharing, giving that tip and that suggestion. You know, Misha, even you're getting a will. Um, Like if you're working and you receive a paycheck from someone and God forbid, if you passed away, where would your last paycheck go? Wouldn't you want it to go to your family members yeah. or a friend, right? So if you if you have a will, then it would say exactly where that would go versus it just going to the state. Yes. And yeah. along with living, like who you want to, how you want things to be taken care of. If you know you end up being in long-term, long-term uh, nursing facility, or you just immobile, so. Right, or if you have like, uh, you know, if you go through a a mental health um, problem for a while, or you are older and you develop dementia Mm -hmm. or Alzheimer's disease, you should have written in your will uh, permission to your family to, that it would be okay for them to put you in Uh, to move you into a residence where you would be able to really be taken care of by people who know how to take care of others who have dementias and Alzheimer's. You know, sometimes people say, don't ever put me in a nursing home. And then when the time comes when it's really needed, their family members feel awful guilty. Yeah, about putting them in there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so write that in your will. Yeah. yeah, definitely will. I hope that prayer never happens. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be bad, but I was like, I don't know if I'm with the generations, but how me take care of me? <laughs> exactly, Misha. Exactly. My next question for you are, is what are signs of elder abuse? I have a question for you okay. first. Do you think you can always tell who's being abused? No, not all the time. Because people can put on a facade so easily and act like nothing is going on. Like for me, for instance, nobody knew that I was going through depression for two years after my grandma passed because I was the same person outside, but they didn't know what was going on behind closed doors. How I was really feeling when I was driving in my car. But I put on that facade once I got into the workplace. You needed to, really, Mm -hmm. right? So that you could get through your day. Right. Yeah, but every nobody would even think, you know. Mm -hmm. 
bubbly Misha, right? Right. She never has any problems. Right. She's not human. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> She's superhuman. Let's say that. <laughs> I was going there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you are mostly superhuman. <laughs> oh, thank you. I try. I try. You're great. Um, do you think you can always tell who the person is that's abusing? Uh, some, sometimes, but not always. Right, they, not they always. Have, like, it's their characteristics they have and how they uh, may act around these, when they're around certain people and they may be like very sharp and have one word answers. They tend to be very, very charming. Mm-hmm. very charming and they might uh, be over attentive to the person uh, and that may be people would say there's a way that you know that person's harming her look how loving and you know everybody loves him or everybody loves her and you know always attending to every need listening for everything well from the ear of a victim advocate that is a big red flag for control and power over. And, you know, when I said elder abuse is not caused by caregiver stress, what it is caused by is the aim of a person to have power and control over another person. And that's why it's intentional. Uh-huh. And they might say, so there, there are like, um, there are three main tactics that an abuser uses um, that you can look for indicators from. Um, one is undue influence. They try to get somebody to do something that they want them to do. They might pressure them. They might threaten them. So get somebody to do something they want them to do, what would that be? Give them their, give, give over their debit card and their PIN number. Um, sign uh, a power of attorney against their will. Uh, turn over, sign over the deed to their house against their will, right? Um, so that's one tactic, undue influence. Another is called grooming. And grooming is where very positive behaviors are mixed in with very negative behaviors, mm -hmm. but it happens in a very slow developmental way. So when you meet somebody and you really like them for, you know, you meet them for the first time, let's say you have a date and, you know, you, you really have great chemistry and you have a lot of fun with this person and this person treats you great and buys you dinners and presents and, you know, there's, I, I like to call it like lovey-dovey, you know, everybody's all right. lovey-dovey. And then one day something happens and it's not, you know, you have a disagreement or you don't see eye to eye, or he doesn't like how your kids are treating him, or he doesn't like that you're uh, choosing your kids over him or whatever the issue is. And now he wants to have control. And so that can turn into, if it's an abuser that yeah. you're in a relationship with, it's the dynamic in the relationship that is where the abuse lies. It can escalate and it can escalate to the point of physical harm mm -hmm. and even death sometimes. 
And then the third way, you might know this word, gaslight, gaslighting. Yes, gaslighting. You know what that, you know what that is? Yeah. So, you know, it comes from a movie in the 1940s called Gaslight. Oh. Oh, wow. And in this movie, this husband is at the top of the steps, flickering the lights off and on, off and on. And his wife is at the bottom of the steps and she yells up to him, the lights are going on and off. What's what's the problem? Do we have an electrical problem? And he says to her, I don't know what you're talking about. There aren't any lights going off and on. You must be crazy. So gas lighters are confusion makers. And if you if you're in a healthy relationship with somebody and something goes awry and you want to go talk to them about it, you know, I want to talk about our relationship. This is how I was feeling. I want our relationship to be a little better. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you start to say, this is what happened that hurt my feelings. Maybe that person is saying to you, I don't know what you're talking about. You're the one who did that. Or do you remember last year when you did such and such to me? Uh-huh. And if you're an older adult and you, your memory starts to decline a little bit, just even a little bit, you might say to yourself, hmm, maybe he's right or maybe she's right. I'm not remembering everything all the time. Maybe. So as a victim advocate, my, my role with that person who's being gaslit would be to help them to trust their own mind and yeah. trust their own instincts, their own feelings. Yeah. So if there's physical abuse, there are obvious things that you would think like that we would all think like unexplained injuries, bruises, bites, burns, uh, broken bones, right? But it could also be broken eyeglasses mm-hmm. or uh, like medical problems that a person's having and they're untreated or they keep having irregular medical appointments and they're the person that's caring for them takes them to different doctors and different hospitals all the time to avoid being confronted with what they might be doing to them. Yeah. There, there can be like um, isolation, uh, not being given their dentures or moving there, if they use a cane or a walker, leaving it someplace too far away from where they can get it. Yes. Isn't that just mean? It, that's awful. And people actually do that. People actually do stuff like that. Now, I want to say about sexual abuse, which sexual abuse is includes sexual comments. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, unwanted sexual behavior like rape. Mm-hmm. It can be um, the exploitive use of pornography or uh, fondling, any kind of act or verbal sexual comments against somebody's will. If somebody's not consenting to that and doesn't like it, that's abuse. And an indicator, some of the indicators, and this is, these are two that I think are really important for people to pay attention to. Three, really. A change in your loved one's mood. Yes. Or behaviors. A mood definitely can tell quickly. 
recent depression out of the blue. Recent incontinence. Now we are all ageists. We expect that older people are going to be depressed, are going to get depressed, and are going to at some point be incontinent. Those are myths. Yes. So instead of thinking this person has a mental health issue right now, think to yourself if you're wearing your elder abuse lenses and ears, wonder if somebody's sexually harming this person. I just heard about a trafficking of an older adult in the hospital whose family members were paying someone, were, were being paid, family members were being paid by someone to allow him to go into the hospital and have sex, rape, their mother, their older mother. Are you serious? That is sick. Dad, I agree with you. I agree with you. Verbal emotional abuse, I think, is the hardest to name because, like, threatening, belittling, mm-hmm. controlling. But what about when somebody gives you the silent treatment? Yes. Right? Maybe a form of abuse also. So somebody might be like agitated and rocking back and forth or mumbling or um, no access, restricted access, not allowed to use a phone, not allowed to have visitors, Um, attempts on the part of the perpetrator to make that older adult look incapable. With financial exploitation, um, I thought I would tell you, and just stop me anytime, because I can go on and on, okay? Um, You know, there are people who drop their loved ones off somewhere in public and don't come back to get them. And that can be abandonment, neglect, physical abuse. Um, You know, people do that at senior centers. They drop people off at senior centers. But I wanna point out about scams because scams every week, every day, there are new scams. So if a person is more attuned to like the nature of scams rather than the types of scams, it's easier to detect this is going to be a scam. Mm-hmm. And right now, the most uh, losses in type of scam is romance scams. And we saw a big incline um, during the pandemic because people were lonely, right? And $139 million in losses last year from romance scams. And another type of scam worth pointing out is gift card scams. Yes. Don't let anybody sell you a gift card unless it's a legitimate Visa or MasterCard gift card. All these like vanilla and all these off brands, they're scams. So here are the four things, okay? Four signs that something is a scam, regardless of the type. The scammer pretends to be from an organization that you know, like the Cancer Society or the Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's Association. A scammer says there's a problem or a prize. Like, uh, you know, the grandparent scam. You know, somebody calls and says, you know, Pop, um, you know, I'm here and uh, I lost my wallet. And, uh, right, 
or a prize. Like if you, if you want this car, you have to call right now. And people don't know that when they call right now, it's not free. They're no. going to scam you out of the taxes you think you have to pay in order to get the car. But there's not going to be any car at the end of that deal, right? So they pressure, this is the, the third, scammers pressure you to act immediately. Nothing has to be done immediately. No. You don't have to answer anybody in your life immediately at all. And the fourth is they tell you to pay in a specific way. I had a client scammed out of his entire life savings and he was being told to put oh money, cash, money, dollar bills, fifties, hundreds in between certain page numbers in a certain type of magazine. Yeah. So they tell you to pay in a specific way. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to tell you about scams because um, these red flags, like if you're, if you're in a situation with a caregiver, like a family member or um, a paid caregiver and the caregiver and your, the person they're taking care of is giving you conflicting stories, they're telling you conflict, conflicting things, that can be a red flag. Mm -hmm. um, if the caregiver is always interrupting the older adult, or if the older adult seems like appears very fearful or hostile to the caregiver, um, sometimes the caregiver can feel or appear to be frustrated and burdened or say things like, or angry, you know, and say things like, you know, you know, she's just difficult. She's always difficult. Well, Nobody should be blamed because and told they're difficult because they need help, mm -hmm. you know, or because they're sick. You know, we're just human. Right. And um, so, you know, those are big red flags, I think. I agree wholeheartedly. And it's, you know, it's sad that scams are becoming so prevalent with the phone calls. Remember when my grandma's living, people call like colleges and stuff. And she's like, well, they trying to get me to go to college again. And she would hang up on them. But she was smart when it came to scams. But a lot of people are, you know, very vulnerable. And especially if they're living at home by themselves and they're not living in an intergenerational household. So they don't have that help to be like, Oh, they look over. And I always look when I see if somebody calling my grandmother's phone. And like, if I hear you on the phone with them and it doesn't sound like a familiar voice, I'm looking and making sure she's hanging up the phone because it can happen so quickly. And thank God she didn't have like a, a debit card. We took her directly to the bank. So they wouldn't be able to uh, get her information that way. But so many people don't have, are not fortunate, fortunate enough to have someone there. Yeah, she was so fortunate to have you there. Yeah. You know, I tell people, don't answer the phone. Mm -hmm. If you don't recognize the number, just don't. Because now there are all these recording methods. Yeah. And they might call and say, Misha, like that. Mm -hmm. Hello, Misha. And your natural instinct is to say, yes. Right. Yep. That's your natural instinct. 
you just got put on an A-list. And what that means is they might be using your recorded voice uh, to get access to your credit card information. They, um, uh, an A-list means they're gonna call you incessantly. And so I say to people, learn how to use your phone so that somebody calls you when they need you and you don't recognize the number, they will leave you a message. Mm -hmm. Learn how to retrieve the message. And as soon as the phone stops ringing, listen to your message. If there's no message, block the caller. Learn how to block the caller. Great. I've been scammed. I was scammed. Yup. No. <laughs> and I teach people and I got scammed. And what that means is anybody can get scammed, especially yeah. the day it, it happened. I was in a, I was multitasking. I was in a big rush with work and it, it was from my uh, clergy person is what I, who I thought it was from and it wasn't and it was an email and the minute that I clicked, okay, and I actually called him to verify that it was him and I got his voicemail and so I left a message and then I started being anxious about that he needed my help. Right. So I just did it. And as soon as I did it, I knew that I was, yeah. I got caught in the scam because they asked for more money immediately. Wow. Oh, I didn't mean for it to be 200. I meant for it to be 500. Oh, no. Uh, really? Wow. Were you able to retrieve that money? I was, but it took me three hours and uh, Sephora, the name Sephora was involved. My credit card company fought me. They said, I'm sorry, you gave permission for your money to be spent. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to talk to the fraud department. Yeah. You have to be really, really assertive, really advocate for yourself. Most definitely. Wow. Now, my next question for you, when can, what can someone do if they see an older adult being abused, but the person wants to re remain anonymous and report the abuse? Well, no one has to give their name when they report. You can report anonymously. And also you don't have to have proof. You only have to have suspicion. It's not your job to investigate. So that's the job of Adult Protective Services. And there's a statewide number in Maryland now where when you call 800-917-7383, it takes you to a menu <clears throat> on the phone where you select the type of abuse and then the county, et cetera. So you follow the prompts, 800-917-7383. It'll lead you into your local Adult Protective Services program at the Department of Social Services. So, uh, don't try to intervene. It can be dangerous for the yeah. person who's being like harmed. domestic violence. Yep. Um, and um, you can, if you are able to get the person uh, sometime at some point uh, in private, you can ask if there's anything that um, if they're feeling safe and if they need your, if they would like your help in any way. But don't try otherwise to intervene. 
Thanks so much for sharing. Now, um, we touched on some of this, but how does your organization help individuals being abused? So if they were to reach out to you, how could you all help them? HANA provides very, very comprehensive and fully um, uh, confidential, like the highest degree of confidentiality um, and in the realms of intervention, prevention, advocacy, and consultation. So in those realms, our services include crisis response, uh, safety planning, mm -hmm. uh, case coordination. We have a variety of types of shelter. Um, we have a, 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 shel a studio apartment in the community. We have shelter and long-term care facility, some Airbnb and some hotels. And uh, we have an apartment and we have amazing trauma responsive uh, supportive counseling, including a variety of therapeutic groups. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, both in-person and virtual. We have a great partnership with <clears throat> Maryland Legal Aid. So there's no income requirement. So people who earn too much money can still get services uh, with Maryland Legal Aid through us. Um, I, I give a lot of presentations on prevention and, uh, and intervention also for professionals. Lots of consultation. If you have an instinct uh, and you just don't know what to do, you can call Hannah. You don't have to give your name. You don't have to tell the number, the name of the person you're calling about. And this is such a powerful thing that we have, service that we have on our website, www.chanabaltimore.org. We have a chat line. Okay. And when you go to our website on the homepage, if our chat line is open, you'll see it and you just click. And it opens right up into an instantaneous, like you're texting somebody who's responding to you immediately. Not like you text and they don't get back to you for a right. while. No, no, no. You talk to somebody right then and there. And even then, you don't have to say your name if you don't want to. That's a good thing. Now, you just touched on like the online chat line. And it, this was a question later, but I think I need to touch on it now. So... Uh, Say, um, is that, uh, how long is that hotline, I mean, well, the chat line open, and other than the chat line, is there a special hotline that someone can call that's open like 24 hours? Well, there are different domestic violence hot, hot, hotlines around town, like the House of Ruth. Um, we used to have kind of an old timey helpline where people are sort of sitting at the phones waiting. We don't do that anymore. Okay. Uh, we answer the phones from 8.30 in the morning until eight at night, except on Friday, uh, uh, we're closed for the uh, Sabbath uh, right. at sundown. So after sundown on Friday through sundown on Saturday, we don't answer the phones. But after on Saturday, we check messages if it's an emergency, we call back right away. And if it's not, we're open on Sunday mornings. So we call back on Sunday mornings. Um, so we, we feel from our experience and the clients who call, the people who call, that uh, answering the phone 
uh, having the phones open a long time and uh, checking messages and having the chat line. We have the chat chat line is open in the evenings uh, also. Um, and if it's that serious of a emergency, our our phone message says call 911. That's good to know. Thank you so much for sharing that tip. Now, my next question for you is, how can others be an advocate for older adults getting abused? I think the best way is to just be a friend and stay in touch with older people. Older people mm -hmm. get isolated. Um, I think you and I were maybe having this conversation once where I was saying that for young kids, you know, they go to school. And so there's always somebody at the school yes. looking at them or wondering where they are, if mm -hmm. they don't come because they have to be there, even if it's virtual, but it's not like that with older adults, mm -hmm. right? So I encourage everybody to go to a senior center if they can. And so because at the senior centers, those senior center managers and staff, they're looking at you all the time. Right. They can notice if you had a stroke. They can notice if your clothes are all dirty and your hair is all dirty and your nails aren't clipped. And they'll, if you don't show up, they'll call looking for you or they'll and come. We take to attendance too. We have attendance lists at some of the senior centers. And isn't that great? Mm -hmm. Right. Cause you're, you're, you're like being, it's like a protective factor. Right. Older people. So I say stay, if you have aunts, aunties, uncles, grandparents, neighbors, stay in touch with them, call and visit them regularly. Even if they're in a nursing home or assisted living facility, call and visit regularly. Don't allow them to be isolated. And if somebody is telling you, which most people don't tell, they tell you in sort of aroundabout ways, like, um, I don't like my grandson's friends, or they might say, you know, he doesn't let me sleep at night, mm -hmm. be raping her in the middle right. of the night. Um, you know, they're, they're uh, he could, you know, I'm too much of a bother. Mm -hmm. or he calls me names, but not, not going to say he's abusing me. That's not the way it's going to come out. Right. So because that's the case, you just want to be there so they can talk if they want to. And if they do tell you anything like that, you could say, is, is he harming you and offer that they can call my agency, Hannah, at 410-234-0030, 410-234-0030, and offer to make the call with them. Um, there are other places that can be called, like APS. Um, if there's a, a Medicaid fraud happening, like if there's a caregiver in the home who's being paid by Medicaid, or like now Medicaid expanded so that family members can apply mm -hmm. and receive money to take care of their loved ones. And if it's Medicaid, then if somebody who's getting Medicaid is abusing that person, you can call the office of the state's attorney, you know, the, the OAG's office. Um, you can call um, 
uh, the Office of the Attorney, I meant to say the Office of the Attorney General, mm-hmm. their Medicaid fraud unit, they investigate that kind of fraud now. You can call the Department of Aging, you can call the Health Department if it's in an assisted living facility or nursing home. People can call their ombudsman yes. office, right? Um, so there are a lot of places where people can call. The first would be Adult Protective Services, I think. Yes, definitely the first. And if you all can't find any of these numbers, you can contact 211 to get these numbers. And you can also just Google it. Google is our best friend now. <laughs> right. Or, or you know, call Hannah. C-H-A-N-A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, my next question for you is, what are two tips you would give an elder that's dealing with an abuser? Two tips. Mm-hmm. Don't let shame and fear keep you from reaching out for assistance. Number two, realize, tell yourself, start to believe it. It's not your fault that that's happening to you. And call Hannah at 410-234-0030. We are 28 years old. Our elder abuse program launched in 2013. We have very, very skilled victim advocates and People don't leave Hana. It's very rare for people to leave Hana. So people have been, we've been working together for a lot of years and it can be very dangerous. The most dangerous time, you know, people always say like, why doesn't she just leave? Or why doesn't he just leave? There are a lot of really good reasons why. Not the least of which is the most lethal time when you're most at risk of being killed is when you try to leave. Right, yeah. So you can't do it by yourself Mm -hmm. and relying on a friend isn't a good idea solely because they don't have the experience to recognize the, the nuances of danger. Mm -hmm. We're trained to assess danger. Yeah. So definitely, it definitely takes a team and contact the professionals to help an abuser get out their situation. Don't try to to do it. And we walk the walk, the pathway you want to walk. So we don't, we don't tell you what to do. We give you ideas. We talk with you about how you feel and think about those ideas. We, you know, we go on your timing whenever you're ready or not ready. Uh, We don't ever say you can't come back or, you know, you can't call here again. We don't close cases on people. So unless unless you're abusing us, you know. No, we don't want that. <laughs> All right. My last question for you is, are there any upcoming events that your organization may be having that's open to the public? We do, actually. Uh, and the event is called Voices from darkness to light. And it's our fourth annual fundraising and outreach event in recognition of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. So it'll be in October, this October 25th. It's a Tuesday night at six o'clock. And 
Um, we're having uh, a guest. Her name is Leslie Morgan Steiner, who wrote a New York Times bestselling memoir called Crazy Love. And she's going to share her harrowing story as a victim of domestic violence and her personal journey, what she calls from darkness to light. And there's going to be a live question and answer session that will follow her presentation. And it'll be in person uh, with a wine and cheese reception starting at six o'clock. So if anybody would like to learn more, register, you can go to our website, chanabaltimore.org, and register there. Yeah. And I'll definitely, what, what, what's the date again? Tell me the date one more time. October 25th. It's a Tuesday night at six o'clock. Okay. And I'll share that in the link because I'll definitely post this podcast before then. So I'll definitely put that link within the bio of upcoming events and share it on our newsletter. That sounds great. Thank you so much. You're um, You know, the money that uh, that we raise, we, we have sheds and, you know, we raise money to help people who are fleeing mm-hmm. because they need rent and they need security deposits and they need clothes and pots and pans and things for their children. And uh, so, yeah, we have to raise money to, to be able to help all of them. I love that. And I think, you know, it's so important to have that type of outlet because it's just like, what's next after this person have gotten out? Now, you know, you don't want them to feel like, you know, they're proud, they're, they're, poor now and like they can't take care of nothing and then they end up going back to the abuser so definitely having events like that to help you know raise money is so important they people don't think about what's next after Mm -hmm. right well we when people come to Hana and we're you know when we support them we talk about what's next Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about what's next so that's why, and, and we're trained to do that. You know, we have a lot of experience with this. So, you know, unless it's, unless you're in a situation where you got to go right this minute, you know, give us a call. And even after you got to go right this minute and you've left the house, you can call us after that too. Yeah. It's so important. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for taking out time on your lovely Friday to take out time to share this information with us. And I hope you have a lovely weekend. Enjoy the second day of fall. <laughs> thank you so much. Can I, I'll leave you with a motto. No one should be a victim. Mm-hmm. No one should be a perpetrator. Above all else, no one should be a bystander. So if you see something, say something. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Jack. I hope to see you sometime soon, Misha. Thank you. I know. Thank you so much. You're welcome.